This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where our guest today is Dr. Rob Harder. Rob is the host of the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and has over 25 years experience in various nonprofits. You are going to be so tremendously encouraged and blessed by this interview. So stay tuned. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to wonderful leaders all over the world about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today I am tremendously excited to have my guest, Dr. Rob Harder. A little bit about Rob. Rob is a nonprofit executive professional with over 25 years of experience in leading and building nonprofit organizations. Really interested to hear his perspective on leadership. Rob leads a large humanitarian nonprofit organization and has a bold vision to serve as a leading networker of community service and is also the host of the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. So we'll hear more about that and put that link up there. And then Rob has also served and continues to serve on boards, including having served as the chairman of the MLK Jr. Human Rights Commission for Utah. So Rob, Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So now I hear, are you out in Utah right now? I am. Yeah, I live okay. in Park City, Utah. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about your journey and what brought you out there before we get right into the leadership aspect of it. You bet. Yeah. So I came 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Um, a job opened up here uh, at the Christian Center of Park City is the name of the nonprofit that I lead oh. uh, as an executive director. And long story short, when I got to know the mission and the vision of this organization, I was very intrigued, even though I actually had another opportunity uh, in Arizona at the time. Uh, but this one just kept gnawing at me in a good way. Like there's mm-hmm. something here. There's this great vision for what they wanted to accomplish through this organization. Um, and so the more I investigated, I met the board, I met the, the then current executive director, and it just became clear, this is where I was supposed to be. And wow. so I took the job 10 years ago, and it's been so fun to see this organization grow. When I came, it's, the organization's been around for 20 years. When I came 10 years ago, um, they were, we had about nine paid staff, including me, and it's just grown from there. We have over 52 paid staff now, over 1,000 volunteers a year. Um, you know, budget's $5 million. It's, uh, we have two campuses, and it's just really been fun to see it grow, grow, grow. And, and dur- particularly during COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, with all the things that we've been able to develop in the programs and services, we were really uh, relied upon and still are uh, for some critical I would call emergency assistance response, you know, programs that we have. So it's been really fun just to see that for 10 years, we've been building this and building this and then a major pandemic like COVID-19 that no one planned on. Uh, we were really positioned well and ready to uh, handle the, the immediate need that uh, food and different things were able to help with. So well, it's been a lot you. of fun. 
Wow. Thank you for your leadership. So this was already, how did you hear about it? Had you known about this before? Had you intersected with your other nonprofits or did they just reach out to you? This was, yeah, kind of out of the blue. Yes, I'd never, in fact, I'd never been to Park City, Utah, if you can believe it. Um, I'd heard about it through the Olympics, uh, <laughs> but I was in Denver at the time or in, actually in Boulder, Colorado. Many people know Boulder and that's where I was at the time. And yeah, so it was kind of a out of the blue. And, and, um, so again, I threw my name in the hat for the position and they immediately called me back. And then one thing led to another. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm packing up and moving out to Utah. So it has been a fantastic experience better than I anticipated. And Utah is just a really beautiful state and oh, Salt yes. Lake is a growing city that we, I moved to Denver, uh, at that time, so 26 years ago, approximately, um, went to a school there. I got my graduate degree, and Denver was really booming back then. And mm-hmm. I feel like Salt Lake reminds me of Denver back then. It's really growing quite quite quickly, uh, and it's becoming somewhat of a Silicon Valley of the West because right. of all the tech companies around Provo, Utah County, and Salt Lake itself. And it's just a great place to live. So I think as a lot of people want to have a quality of life, uh, they're coming to places like Salt Lake and. Uh, even Moab and St. George. And um, mm-hmm. so there's some real uh, population growth going on right now, which is pretty exciting. That's exciting. And I love hearing what you've done with the growth and scaling an organization, because that is the goal why everybody goes into this. And just, I have never been an executive director. I've always been in the for-profit world, but mm-hmm. I have, as I said earlier, before we started, I spent about 90% of my time and my giving to nonprofits. So I've been on a lot nice. of boards, but yep. how incredible that you were able to grow this. That's what everybody hopes for. And uh, just for the readers, you know, or for the listeners, um, the, the nonprofit is motivated by mission. And a lot of times for, for-profits are, are motivated motivated by money. Neither one is wrong or right. It just depends on what your, where your heart is and and what your big overarching vision is. So I want to talk to you about, um, and reflect back at any times throughout your career, um, Rob, the first price that my father said of leadership was loneliness. And can you share with me what that means to you as a leader, um, especially in a nonprofit where, you know, you've got that higher overarching vision, but yet have you experienced loneliness as a leader, what that means for you and what you would say to encourage other leaders that right now are listening to this and looking forward to not feel so lonely? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I remember um, early on when my leadership uh, experience, I, I remember getting that same advice that um, when you're a leader, particularly when you're the CEO or uh, executive director or you're at the, the uh, top of an organization, it's the loneliest at the top, so to speak. You're going to get the most criticism. You're going to have to make decisions that are not popular. And that was hard because I uh, my tendency is to be a people pleaser. And so I realized my people pleasing natural tendency is not a good mix with this idea of having to make tough calls where people won't understand or people will not agree with your decision. And so that has been tough. There's been times where uh, when you know you need to make a change for the organization or the organization needs to to move this direction. And some people are like, well, I kind of liked it going this direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know that you can't make decisions that are just on personality or um, just to be liked by everybody. You have to make decisions that really are the best for the mission, as you said, uh, for the organization and for the health of the organization. So that's been, there's been times definitely I've, um, you know, making changes even with this organization to scale it from, you know, nine people. And, and really uh, the, my predecessor, my executive director that was here before I was, did a fantastic job of growing this from scratch. He came 20 years ago, you know, 10 years before I did, and there was nothing here. He built it from scratch and he did such yes. a good job, but it was ready to grow to the next level. And to do that, you have to change. You have to change the way people interact with you. And, and I remember telling my staff at the time as we were growing through those stages of, you know, when we started getting 12 and 15 and 20 and then 30 staff, and now we're over 50, as I mentioned, each step along the way 
you have to let go of certain things. You have to, you know, it's a grieving process. That's I remember reading a book one time about how you have to grieve each one of those stages because for example, when I first came, like I got to know everybody, like I knew every donor and I knew every staff and the staff could come to me directly, knock on my door and talk to me. That changed uh, because I just simply didn't have enough time in the day. And so I had to empower um, other leaders and then lead through them. And therefore, I didn't have the time. And I remember telling people, this really makes me sad. And I have to grieve this. And I, would, I don't have the time I used to have with you. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't care about you. It's just the way I lead is different because we have so many other things we have to do. We have to scale this organization because the need that we saw and we started seeing um, lots of uh, resonance with our programs. And all of a sudden, that just opened up more doors to grow. And particularly, remember, we um, expand. We're in Park City, Utah. And then our uh, humanitarian center grew to Heber, which is a neighboring community. And that alone was one of the biggest moves we made because now we're in two campuses and there was a lot of challenges because literally there was a physical barrier. There was a good 30 minutes, 20 miles between the two campuses. And so we did everything we could to keep that connection, but it was hard for a while because mm -hmm. I couldn't be there and in Park City at the same time. Um, there was definitely some growing pains in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as we can continue to grow on the Park City campus, I just had less time to even travel down to Heber. So that's one example of, I think that loneliness comes in when you know you have to make decisions again that, don't, that not everyone's going to love. And then as you grow, you have less access at times with everybody in your organization that maybe you once had. And so your connection points become smaller. And so therefore, you have to be really intentional with who you're investing your time into and making the most of each one of those opportunities. So um, I think that is one of those challenging things that if you're listening and um, who knows, you're in a business or you're a nonprofit, you're in a church and you're growing and you're realizing, wow, I just, I can't attend to every need. I can't call every single person. I can't send an email to everybody in my organization. That's just part of it. Uh, and you may feel right now that, wow, I used to get all this great feedback and people loved my leadership and now I'm getting all this criticism. Well, join the club because the more you uh, make decisions, the more criticism you're going to be uh, you know, open to. And the fact is you're never going to be able to please everybody. So the hope is you, you show respect to everybody in your team and you keep communicating clearly that your decisions are based as best as you can on the mission of the organization and making the organization the number one thing. It's not a personality thing. It's about the mission of the organization. I love that. And it reminds me of the early church in Acts that was growing. Mm. And what they had to do, they yeah. had to bring on an interview wise, discerning people, because otherwise right. you cap you cap off. And we yeah. all want to say we want to grow, but you're right. It is sad because we had a young lady on yesterday for the interview and she's like, when I became the recruiter, the manager, she sold books door to door. Now I don't get to hang out with them. And during yes. weekly staff meetings, I have to be doing one-on-ones and pouring into people and I don't get to have fun. You know what I'm saying? So there's yes. a differentiation. Um, but that that is really, uh, really insightful what you said about that and, and the growth mode and how you do that. Do you think there's a difference between coming in and handling an organization um, from scratch versus taking an existing one and growing it? That is a great question. Because I've always wondered that because I came into yeah. second generation business. So, but I always look at the people that grew it, started it, and I'm like, oh, that's a whole different set of leadership yeah. skills. What do you think? Mm -hmm. That is a great question. You know, I've, I've done, I've started some nonprofits from scratch. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, so I think there is a similar entrepreneurial spirit that you have to have. Um, I think I would say um, it's just a different gift mix. Yeah, I think yeah, there's certain okay. people that like to start from scratch and they like to do everything. And getting to the point where you having to manage people and lead through others is really difficult, not natural. And therefore you're not at your best. 
And therefore, I think then you kind of cap out and you probably read leadership books and even had people on your show before where there's certain people that are just wired to stay on an entrepreneurial level, a mm -hmm. startup company, and they need to sell it and then go start up another company, right? And, uh, and at first, I've, and I've done that a bit. And it's funny, I wasn't sure if I can transition, but I felt like some of those skills that I learned I was able to translate into this organization and not that we weren't starting from scratch, but we did some of the same, like, okay, let's treat it as if we were starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. How would we grow? How do you want to build this organization? How do you want to go through the next stages of uh, growth? And so I think maybe because of my experience, it helped me go into this role. Um, I felt more equipped because I had done it where it was from scratch. And I, so for me, it was a little bit easier only because I had had that experience where there was nothing there. And so at least I had something to work with. I had a staff to work with. I had right. at the time a building, I had a budget. I had, he, again, my previous director, Tim Darlene had done a great job of building continuity with uh, our community. And so we had somewhat of a, a brand name, if you will, that I could just build and really grow to the next level. So I do think it's a different skill set. Mm -hmm. But there's more overlap than I thought originally. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's like you can't go to the next level if you're just an entrepreneur or say you, you're just starting a company now and you're wondering if I can get through the next stages. I think get some good coaching, continue to lean into other leaders who have done it, uh, read books like crazy all the time. I'm always reading you know, different books, uh, trying to learn from other people. Uh, so anyway, that's, that'd be my recommendation. So I don't think it's a black and white either or. I think it kind of depends on your personality and your experience. I love that. Okay. So I also want to, I want to lean in to you as a leader. Cause I heard something you said. Okay. So I love the fact that you said, okay, we all want to be liked, but we have to, we have to be trusted. We have to be fair. We have to be firm. We have to be, you know, maintain that the boundaries, but let me ask you this. When you get feedback that a decision is unpopular, I'm asking for a friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know, when do you as a leader say, okay, I actually made a bad decision or I need to go back and apologize to my staff for my flock. Can you unpack that? I understand there's times where you're going to see it and only you see it. How do you yeah. know there's a find? And I've been on both. I've been where I can see it and I've had to let everybody go. I don't see it and been like, okay, then you're not going where we're going. But then I've also had right. times where I've done things or I've seen people recently do things where I'm like, that was the wrong call. You're not getting criticism because they don't see your vision. You're getting criticism because that was the wrong thing to do or say. How do right. you as a leader stay open to saying, I may be the only one that sees it, but at times I may have missed something. So can you just speak into that a little bit? Yeah, that, that. Boy, that it is uh, difficult. And I would say, again, um, I'm a recovering people pleaser, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but it's still whenever I get criticism for a decision, it still hits me in my gut. You know, I still have a gut check and like, okay, was that a bad decision or um, was that the right decision? I just don't like the fact there's blowback and there's criticism. Ah, and, you know, I love you know, that. So, so I think being self-aware of like, what is it, what's hitting you? Is it again, this sense of being rejected or is it like, no, that was kind of a bad decision. So sometimes just letting it sit, uh, listening uh, to the criticism and, um, yeah, I think early on in my career, I wouldn't listen to criticism, but I think now I've learned to um, go ahead and listen to it, see yeah. what nugget of truth is in there, right. and then say, okay, uh, maybe even if it's 10%, 5%, that's right. my issue, then own it and tell your staff that, say, you know what, I think it was the right decision, but you know, the way I said this or the way I communicated it, that was not right. And, and my bad on that. And I, I, I own that. So I think the more you can have security in the fact that you own up to your failures and you tell somebody about it, 
that's really a really important thing. And I think I found when I've done that, my uh, staff really respect me even more when I'm honest, oh uh, because they know when it's a bad decision or they know when they don't like it, even though it's a good decision. So they right. kind of know that. Oh, I uh, love when, that. Yeah. So that would be my thing is really to kind of examine what it is, embrace what the criticism is, figure out what truth is in there. And um, what I kind of have a hard time letting go sometimes is even when I know that, yeah, okay, say 10% was my bad. I didn't lay it out very well, but it's still the right decision. And there's still pushback. There's still like this general sense of I'm, I'm really not okay with it. I let that linger too long. And I probably, um, uh, I listen to those, like the negative thoughts too much. And I've just learned, I've got to let that go. And I've got to keep, go back to what's the mission. Again, try to stay away from the personal uh, personalities in this and keep saying, well, at as long as I'm in this role as executive director, my job is to really make sure I maintain the mission. And then leaning to other people that are enough removed from the situation that can give you advice. Uh, I'm lucky I have a wonderful wife that gives me great advice. She's actually a licensed therapist. And so uh, I'm in counseling all times, which really helps a lot. <laughs> but she does give me some great insight. And so as long as I'm listening, I feel like the more you listen, uh, the better a leader you can be. And you said that, and I think um, security, I think humility, you know, even though people look at us as leaders, we're not mind readers, we're not God, we're human, we make mistakes, but I love it. And I would say to our leaders out there too, I like you in the beginning when I would hear criticism, I would just be like, you know, either it would destroy me or I'd want to fight or flight, you know, kind of thing. No, you need to adapt. And that's a sign of maturity, leaders listening. You will get to that point. I hope you do. I hope you never lose the ability, like I said, to look for that 10%, to get wise counsel, and to always go back. And I don't care how egregious the comment was. Um, If you go back and grace and explain it or ask for forgiveness, that's what we're in the business to do. And I found it only makes it worse because if you don't go back and read it and don't think, oh, well, it's been a couple of weeks, it's just going to go away. No, people never forget that. And so you have to seek restoration, um, you know, even if it's for the 10% you know, still stay yeah. up. So I, I really appreciate you unpacking that for me because that, mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. tough. And um, we live in a crazy world where sometimes we step out of, we speak or step out of turn or we make decisions right. um, and we don't get all the facts. And yeah. then we have to go back and we have to, um, we have to readdress it on another day when, the, when the scales came off or another piece of information, or we go back and we listen to what we said and go, I really need to do that better. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Rob. That really helped me unpack that because that, that's no, something. I, Thanks for being transparent with that too. Sure. Oh, and totally, I love yeah. the then let it go. I Again, why I'm go- drilling into this is we're going through some things with some people that I'm in it, involved with and other people. And you know what? Once it's out there, either grant forgiveness or just say, hey, we're going to agree to disagree and let it go. That's because right. stewing over it, it's, yeah, it just burns your energy, right? It, and it's not productive at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, and, yeah, I, but it's and, a hard discipline. You have to discipline yourself to do that. Yeah. I tell people, I said, we're not damning people to hell. We're just having a disagreement. Let's move yeah. on. Let's just, keep, that's right. This is, this is not soul stuff. This is, let's, this is a degree of disagreement. Let's just move on. All right. So thanks Rob. Yeah. Okay. Next he talked about is weariness. Oh. Yeah. And he says, um, you know, anytime you're going to be working on something, you're going to have people that are doing way more than their fair share and people that aren't. And I think that the perception, whether correct or not with nonprofits is a lot of times because people are volunteers, you are at their mercy, whether they're even going to show up. I, yep. Oh, yeah. 
but that's not leadership. Okay. That's still adult babysitting. So talk to me, <laughs> talk to me, unpack that, how you stay energized, how you stay refreshed because mm-hmm. the leader can't, they can't let you never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you bad mouthing. Never let them see you. T- how do you stay uh, refreshed and deal with the weariness that leadership brings? Yeah, I really like this question. I think, first of all, it's real. And, and I've definitely gotten to the point where um, run on the verge of being burnt out uh, in the nonprofit world because there's always more work to do- be done. There's another email you can always send. There's another phone call you can make. There's another visitation or a meeting with the donor. You Always more. You're never really done. So you have to kind of create your own finish lines. And I remember learning that from a, pa- um, yeah, it was a pastor actually, a pastor leader uh, of a large church in Chicago area. And he used to say, you have to create finish lines. Um, so a finish line for the day, a finish line really for good. the week finish line for the month and a finish line for the year. And then finally Donovan is like, yeah, I never had a finish line. Mm-hmm. Therefore I don't think I'm done. And therefore I'm always going. And it's just, you get worn out. No matter how good of a leader you are, you're going to, and no matter how much energy you have, eventually you're going to burn out and it's not sustainable. So I've just learned you have to create boundaries. Um, you're not Superman. Uh, you can't do, you can't save everybody. You can't mm-hmm. save every single um, you know, person that comes to your doors. You do the best you can. Mm-hmm. But you want to be there for the long haul. And so I guess that's been one of my things I've learned over the... T- it's taken me a long time because I tend to go really, really hard. And what typically would happen in my pattern, or again, the first probably 10, 15 years of my leadership life, I would uh, get really sick. And that would force me to be down on my back. And it would take me a long time to get sick. And I would go like crazy and put tons of hours in. And then I get sick. And then I was done. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that's probably not a good pattern. So I thought, no, I've got to do this has got to be more sustainable. So having those finish lines, for whatever reason, that clicked for me. So by having every day, just having a time where I'm like, okay, whatever, and it changed each day, because I've got three kids. And you know, I got to go to basketball games and uh, violin recitals. And you know, so that's still, you know, even though it's family time, but it blends with work. So you just have to have a time to say, I'm done. And I, you know, turn your phone off. Uh, don't respond to emails. Um, or portion your time out where you get back when you're done with work, you got to do family stuff and you got to cart them around and drive them around and then help them with homework. And then maybe you pick up your email at eight 30 or nine o'clock, but then you're done at say 10 30 or whatever it is, come up with finish lines. And then the other thing in the week, one of the things I've probably been the most consistent on is, uh, once I got to a really good pattern where say Fridays happens to be typically my, my finish line for the week, even though I'll, I'll sneak in a little bit then every now and then if there's something going on, I'll, you know, I'll check things. But for the most part, like Friday night, I can tell my wife, Hey, I'm done. I've crossed the finish line. I'm putting my work away. And then it's just a relief for her to know we can focus on just us and family stuff and whatever the honey do list that I have to do at home, you know? So, and then again, you spread that out to a month and then do that for a year where you have time to you know, take a vacation and really try to get away. So uh, to your question, that's really creating a more sustainable pace and having really focused time on self-care mm-hmm. has helped me with the weariness factor because otherwise, yeah, I've definitely been there right on the edge of just being, I'm done, I'm, I'm worn out, I'm burnt out. Um, and it's, you know, no matter how much you care about the mission, when you're burnt out, you just don't have any more energy and you can't carry on the mission. Right. Got to take care of the temple. Finish the race strong. I love yes. that. Create your own finish line. And you even do that on a daily basis. I try to. It's hard, but I try to. 
You know, it really is. It's funny, like for me anyway, like Sunday nights, uh, we actually now have it as a, a family ritual. We'll, we'll connect and we all connect as a family. And we also then look at our calendars as one of those things. We talk about the, the week ahead and then we just look at, okay, who needs to take this person to soccer or this person to basketball? Now, funny enough, COVID-19 shut down everything. And so we've had so much great time as a family because we're not running around all over the Salt Lake Valley uh, and Park City to take them various places. So that's been a good thing, actually. Yeah. But before that, we would change check in every Sunday night for the week ahead. And, and then as I did that, then I would typically spend about an hour, maybe two depends on the week of getting ready for the week. And for me, that was part of my ritual. And I would tell, you know, my wife, my kids that typically, you know, it varied, but around seven o'clock, seven 30, I would get, start getting ready for the week. And that was part of my finish line though, to say, now I'm launching into the week. And it kept me being so stressed on a Monday morning where you're like, Oh my goodness, I have so much to do. And then I just felt less stressed by Sunday night kind of planning and preparing with my family, not just by myself, but with my family to know, okay, here's what's going on this week. Mm -hmm. And then thinking ahead, what my finish lines are going to be for this next week. I love that. Well, we, I I call that like even finishing and you just, you got your PhD. I just, Cross that line too. Woo. Good, nice, congratulations! I'm so excited. And people are like, "Did you know PhD stands for piled high and deep?" Did you know <laughs> exactly. It's, well, I heard, it's pretty much. I heard post hole digger too. I'm like, "Hey, I don't yes. care what you call. I'm a doctor. Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, I'm taking it. I'm laughing. I can laugh now because the tears are over. But that was one of the things I call it chunking. And they're like, "How do you do oh, it?" And yeah. I go. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. I think that's John Update. You, you just yes. How do you eat an elephant? just deconstruct it down. I'm a simple girl, but I have kind of a linear engineering mind. And although we've got that entrepreneurial passion that fuels us, I still, I I will be like all over the place, you know, after all thrust, no vector, but, but (laughs) very focused on, mm, 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 and you chunk it down to bite sizes. And that's why I love that. The the finish lines, because we are passionate about it and passion can rip you. Your body can't keep up with your passion. And so, but we still are this mortal coil, so we still got to take care of it and rest. So I love that. I had never heard that before. Oh, yeah, it stuck with me. Yeah. Thank you, mm-hmm. Doctor. Oh, sure. All right. So next he talks about abandonment. Mm. And this is so important because, you know, you get a million people calling you every day. What about this? Do this. Have you thought about this? Partner with this. Abandonment. Right. How do you stay focused on what you need and ought to think about versus what you like and want to think about? Oh, it's another tough one. These are great questions because it is so hard. Um, and so, you know, going back to my ritual on Sunday nights, uh, checking with my family, then check in with me. One of the things I'm doing is just kind of looking through my week. And because I do think you have to break it down every week, every day, um, mm-hmm. what you're going to do, what I need to like the big goals for this week that need to be accomplished. And I tie into my monthly goals or then even yearly goals. So just kind of having that constantly in my mind so that when I look into the week, I'm not just reacting because, you know, any nonprofit leader, any leader in a business that is listening, Monday mornings can hit and you've got a ton of emails. You've got five texts before 6 a.m. and you're like, and then you're just reacting, reacting, reacting. And so for me, I had to get in front of that by being proactive. And so I think that's what I've done is the more proactive you can do. And again, I don't perfectly do it. There's times where I, I hit react mode and I'm in react mode till like Wednesday and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, and I'm like, okay, I got to get back to being proactive. Um, but that's been my discipline is for me, if I start Sunday night, I start well. Um, and, and then another thing for me, just another practice of self-care, but actually plays into this too, is by work, I work out on a regular basis almost every day. And uh, it's running or going to the gym or whatever. And through that, it's I'm preparing for the week, preparing, mm-hmm. for, 
preparing for the day and just thinking through again, what are the big goals I need to get done, prioritizing them. And so I think just by having that mindset, when you do get to work and you'll get a million distractions once you get to work, right? Uh, But making sure that they don't become the norm. Because it, it's going to happen. You're going to have distractions. And I used to, it used to drive me crazy when I uh, would get to work and I had a whole list of things I needed to do. And I got literally distracted by all kinds of things that I had no, it wasn't on my plate. It wasn't on my plan for that day or that week um, by just making sure, okay, absorb as, mu- as much as you can and try to redirect as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But um, then at the end of the day, if say by three o'clock, you're like, I have not done anything on, on the main list that I had, then right. you're going to have to reprioritize the list and just go back at it and say, okay, so maybe you don't reprioritize till the next day, but you still get back to that point. And so, right. for example, here's real practical things like emails. Uh, that's I have a tendency to be a little OCD with emails. I want to respond to every single email and I want a clean slate, you know, and just get through all of them. But I've realized that's pretty impossible, at least in my role. I did just get too many emails. However, mm-hmm. what I do do is just scan through them and see what are really, really critical. And mm-hmm. so I'm not even talking about junk email. I'm just talking about emails that are legitimate emails that you mm-hmm. probably need to, I need to respond to. But going through them and see what's the most critical ones and getting through those, but then setting almost like a timer where, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to look at email and get through the ones I need to. And then at that point, just call it and just say, okay, I've, now I've got to get on to whatever the, the main goal is, or the big program I'm working on, the, the strategic plan that I'm working on, or this phone call with key donor that I've really got to be prepared for. Um, so give yourself limits on, say, for example, responding to emails. Because emails I found more than anything else for myself, and as I talk to other leaders, that, or text, text or emails, they can send you in a million directions and they are not connected to each other and they feel very urgent because uh-huh. someone's very urgent on their end and therefore if it creates an urgency for you, you're going to get distracted and go into a million different directions and so you just have to really discipline yourself where I've tried to, to give yourself time slots for going through your text and or emails for a period of time and then just literally just draw the line say I'm done and then I got to move on to other things. Because yeah. otherwise, you will never be, at least for me, I could never get through my emails enough. Because as I'm going through them, there's more coming in. You know, So it's never ending. So I, I don't that's helpful. That helps me with the abandonment and focusing on what's most important. I love it. And, and I think you, you kind of alluded to it too. The more you understand your mission, the more you respect it. And so yeah. you're going to be very cautious of it. Not that we're not open, but sure. we also respect what we're doing enough to know. I don't want to dilute it. It's like the gospel. Yes. I don't want to detract or add to it. It is what it is. So uh-huh. is your mission. You don't want to detract or add to. And sometimes even the, in, in our gracious little hearts, we, we add in and we start diluting um, our ability to stay focused. You know, the devil, what is it? Uh, somebody told me uh, busy, the word busy stands for uh, uh, burdening under Satan's yoke. And so we're just, we're just running oh, around. Interesting. There you go. <laughs> but I also love the part about working out. And I had the, the blessing of having a home gym in my house. And so when COVID hit, nice. now everybody's oh, back you're fine. or walking yeah. or running. Um, when COVID hit, I'm like, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you, when you are on the treadmill or working out, there's just something about it. You know, some people get these epiphanies in the shower. Never ever happened to me, or in the middle of the night, dreams. Never. But if I'm working out, all of a sudden I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I have a speech and I'm stuck on writing, just start working out. I don't know what it is. So I mean, thank you for bringing that up to that. Really, people are like I'm too tired to work out. No, you're too tired not to. If you're if you're tired, you need to go work out. You know, it's one of the best stress relievers, right? It burns your stress off. You know, let alone gives you more energy. So I'm with you. I, I share that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. That's very pragmatic, very practical advice. Okay. So the fourth price of leadership, and you talked about, you hit the the vision word several times throughout this. And my father referred to vision as just simply 
seeing what needs to be done and doing it. I think sometimes mm. we think, well, I can never be like Dr. Harder because he's such a visionary, you know? <laughs> like, vision is just get to work. You know, it's the great commission. It's just going out and doing it. So can you share with me, how, how do you grow, grow your vision? How do you hone your vision? Um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, um, good question. You know, I think, um, clarity. Number one, you have to have clarity. And I've, uh, when I've done seminars and, and spoken to different groups, I find that whatever organization you're part of, again, business or, or nonprofit, um, what is your mission and, and vision? I know sometimes we get all caught up into, oh, well, mission is this and a vision is that. I got to separate the two. And then there's the motto. And, and, and that's all good. I think it's a good exercise to go through all of that. But at the end of the day, just you need to boil down what are you about, what's your organization about, and get it into a portable way where you can just, if you're in an elevator and you have two minutes with somebody, you can tell somebody, this is what we do. And then for us, for example, our mission here at the organization I lead is to meet people at their point of need as an expression of God's love. And that's it. So that's what we do. So we meet people at the point of need. So I'm able to tell that very, it's very portable. It's very short. It's very mission driven. And so ironically, when COVID-19 hit, we um, are the organization, we have two different food pantries. We also have a program where we help people with rent assistance or when they can't afford bills that are going to be evicted or they have a medical bill they didn't expect or a car bill they can't repair. Um, and those kind of things happen on a regular basis. Well, when COVID-19 hit, uh, we're in a t- very strong tourist economy here in Park City. Well, they shut down right away, right, with COVID. Right. And no one was coming to Park City. And so people lost their jobs overnight. And so in a normal month, we'd have, say, 30 people we would help with rent assistance or another bill or whatever they need. And we went to, in two months, over 900 families applied. So we had to immediately scale up this program uh, with the intensity of um, you know, COVID and all the, and our protections and trying to keep our staff safe. At the same time, we had a food pantry. We were serving 1,000 people a week. Uh, and that just kept going up. And then we have a mental health counseling center where we had people were all over the charts of suicide ideation, major trauma, major fear, major anxiety. So we had three major programs going on to respond to COVID-19. But I think what helped through all of it was just we were very mission driven. We mm-hmm. want to meet people at their point of need. So what are the what are the needs? Let's let's go after it and do the best we can to meet those needs. And so by explaining to donors and people that are out there in the community, here's what we're doing. Here's the three programs we're trying to meet people's needs immediately, and then also setting them up for long term, helped us communicate clearly what that mission was, and people could get it and they bought into it. Like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So I think the more clear you can be on your mission, mm-hmm. therefore you're going to be able to communicate it better. Um, and in fact, there's a Andy Stanley. I'm sure you have heard of Andy Stanley. He's oh, a pastor of a mega church in Atlanta. And he used to say, clarity is even more important than certainty. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of leaders get stuck. And I fall into that where you just want to be absolutely 100% certain before you make a move. And actually, I've learned, no, actually, clarity right. is more important because it may become clear that the direction you're going is, okay, you need to redirect. Right. right. Then say that. But you rarely get 100% certainty when things come your way because things are changing so much. You probably see this, right? I mean, I feel like our world shifts more quickly than ever. And I'm not totally sure if that's a combination of social media, the way the world is. We're more of a global. You know, mm-hmm. kind of global. All of the above. It's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. We, it just so you have to, as a leader, you have to quickly change and you can't wait for, hey, okay, let's do a month study on this and figure out what's the best response to this. No, like COVID-19, when that hit for us, we had to respond right away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're, did we do it all perfectly? No, we learned along the way, but we were mm-hmm. clear, like we're going to meet people at their point of need and we're going to do it now. 
And so that clarity versus certainty was really critical to have in that moment. So that's hopefully that answers your question. That, that's what's helped me anyway to move forward and particularly scale up programs in your organization. Well, it doesn't. It means you're also open to be led because clarity, yeah. I call it singularity, that can change. If God gives you a mission complete, like you, you've been different places in your life, so has that's I. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I just love that because just I, I just want to know where am I supposed to focus today? And yes, right. plan for the future, but God directs path, you know, but yes, I'm, I do what I can do. But I mean, I really think uh, people are like, oh, I, I just need to know. And I'm like, I just, I have to land on that point of what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I think everything else falls into place. I think if you can dial into that at the earliest opportunity, then you know who to talk to, what resources right. you need, how you, who, you know, it, it just, that's what fuels you because you're very clear on what you're driving towards. And right. I love that. And um, I love that. And you, your vision, hundred percent of the people that have been on all tied their vision back to people, even the for profit everybody was about people. And I think for organizations, it isn't about scaling or building it or, you know, touch it, you know, it's about helping people. And I think, you know, 100% for leadership, if you tie that vision to people, then the people that are either going to have a pain point or a purpose or a need, Mm -hmm. you're going to reach them. Exactly. You summarize that exactly. I love that. And I love that you said, make it portable. I just, I mean, that's fantastic mm-hmm. because you just gotta, you know, I don't, I don't want to pull out a prospectus or a circular or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you read. No one has time for that. Yeah. I don't have time for that. I just, I need nope. your help, especially in a nonprofit. Um, because if you don't get money from the kindness of strangers, guess what? And people that poo poo on money, what do you think makes the, the nonprofits run? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. The church bells don't ding without, you know, money coming in. So I just, yeah. I love that. Okay. So Rob, what else, you know, we're wrapping this up. You covered the four points. You have taught me so much. Oh, good. I'm going to love this. Anything else you want to touch on that you haven't already covered? Yeah, I think I love that you're doing this podcast. Uh, you know, of course, and you mentioned I have a podcast as well. And one of the reasons I did it is because I'm just passionate about leadership. And I'm passionate about giving tools and introducing people to other great leaders. Because I think if you want to be a good leader, uh, I've always was told this and, and I've tried to follow it as much as I can, is you want to be passionate about it, of course, but you want to fuel your passion by always, to me, learning. So always being in a mode of learning, 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 because there's always new things that you can learn out there. So through a podcast, through a books. Um, in fact, I remember a leader of mine who was a mentor said, uh, I can, and he's, he was an older uh, mentor at the time, uh, and he'd lived a long life and had and been very successful in his different uh, adventures in life. And he said, I noticed the leaders that stopped being effective. I was like, well, how did you know? And he said, they stopped reading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. He's like, when they stopped reading, they stopped learning. Um, And I think today's world now, we don't read as many books. We probably listen to audio books more or listen to podcasts more than we pull out a book, even though books are still amazing. So I I still do tons of audio books when I'm running, working out, or I'm in my car, constantly listening to audio books because that's for some reason, we have a hard time sitting down and read a book these days, it feels like so. But, um, but there's great books. And uh-huh. like your father's book, for example, and I think the more you're reading, it's really it's about learning. And the more you're open to learning, the better leader you become. And we all get stale, and we all get tired, and we all um, get to the point where we get in our ruts. And for me, that's what's helped me stay passionate and stay effective is to keep learning and growing. And therefore, you're always learning from someone else or learning a different angle of leadership or hearing something from for the first time, perhaps uh, a different way to apply your leadership skills. And so I would just pass it on to your listeners. The fact you're having the show is fantastic. I encourage those that are watching and listening. My guess is they're listening to your show because they want to learn and they want to be a better leader. 
And I think that's what it takes is just a commitment to learning, being a lifelong learner of leadership. Those are the best leaders I think out there. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Leadership is truly nothing more than lifelong learning. And I, I just, I thank you for that. Now, Rob, where can people get in touch with you? You've talked about your tremendous organization. How can they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so uh, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Uh, you can check out the podcast I do. That's the website. Again, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Or you just go to iTunes and, and um, type in nonprofit leadership podcast. Um, I'm on social as well. You go to LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Um, I don't use Twitter as much anymore, but uh, but Facebook and LinkedIn is probably the primary where And then Instagram and just look up Rob Harder or put Rob Harder Park City and you'll find me and would love to connect with you. I'd love to, yeah, if there's some follow-up questions or if you want to know more about what I'm learning, I uh, would love to connect with you. Awesome. And we'll put all those links on the bottom of this. So wherever Perfect. you're watching, we'll put all the links on there. And Rob, thank you so much. Thank you for your heart, for what you do for those people out there, for all you're doing to help people get through this and just emerge as a better self, making the world a better place. We're just so thankful for the, you. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's great. Thanks for your question too. You had great questions. Thank you. You're welcome. You. And I mean, you, I mean, you brought it, brother. I mean, that was oh, good. Well, good. <laughs> that was, you've been in the trenches. I, I can always tell when people are just are theorists, but you, you, you've been in there and, and I love that. I mean, you have just that, that kind heart, but that it's going to be tough, but it's going to be victorious. So I love that. And for our listeners, please make sure to check out Rob's podcast, hit the subscribe, hit the rating, and be sure and come on over to Tremendous Leadership. Subscribe to us wherever you're listening. And we would be honored for the, for the uh, honor of a five-star rating from you too as well. Check out all the links and stay connected, everybody. Thanks so much for listening and have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.